The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. We're here to radiate healing with Marianne Teitelbaum, who is the author of the book Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda. Marianne is a doctor of chiropractic as well as an Ayurvedic practitioner and has is in practice in New Jersey. So welcome, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to talk to you because, as we were mentioning a little bit ago, I definitely need some help healing the thyroid. You're not alone. It's um, <laughs> epidemic, not only in the United States, but throughout the world at this point. Now, why do you and Not this? just women, but men and children, too. Oh. Uh, the, the reason is, um, that's what the whole book discusses, all the things that are tugging away at our thyroid gland. The thyroid gland is a very delicate gland, and... It's the only gland whose hormones affect every cell in the body. But then in reverse, any weakness anywhere, liver, the friendly bacteria, mercury from your flu shots, or the fluoride in your water, go in the bed late, all these things will weaken the thyroid. And that's what the book's about, what to do about it. Wonderful. And I noticed that in in the book, there was something I dog-eared here. There was um, Dr. Mishra discovered that American patients were unable to metabolize any of the herbs that he used in India. This is somebody, an Ayurvedic specialist from India, discovered that Americans in particular had some difficulty with some of his practices. Can you go into why that is? Well, the ancient doctors, even 5,000 years ago, when they wrote their textbooks on Ayurveda, said that we'll be leaving the future textbooks of Ayurveda open for doctors to come in and write new chapters because we can't foresee what's going to happen. And sure enough, um, when I sat with my teacher from India, he was sent to America to make herbs 
herbal formulas for the first Ayurvedic company in America about 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Ayurveda was just kind of beginning in the United States then. So they sent him here because he had a, uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of over 700 herbs and he knew how to make formulas. So he sat with me for all those 17 years, took the pulses of people and made 500 formulas that I now use today for everything we were seeing. But when he sat down to take the patient's pulse, after about one or two days, he turned to me and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, The American liver is so overwhelmed, congested, toxic, hot, angry, that when you swallow anything, it goes through the liver and it's not going to be happy with all these herbs we'll be giving people. So. Wow. Is that because of the American diet or there are other factors? A combination of the very poor diet that we have here combined with the overuse of pharmaceuticals. We use more pharmaceuticals here than any country. And we pop them like they're candy, but they have lots of devastating side effects, especially to the liver. And in the book, I'll talk about that. Oh, that's wonderful. Good to, that's good to know because we do tend to just take a pill for everything. But Ayurvedic is not like that at all, is it? No, but we have pills as well. It's just that they're natural. They won't create the toxicity uh, that the, um, you know, the medicines will be giving. But, um, but even the herbs, the liver has to metabolize. And, you know, rainwater is alkaline. But when it goes through air pollution, it becomes acid rain as it picks up the chemicals. On a smaller scale, we're seeing that with our liver. So many acid toxins have gone through it that it's hot and angry, and it's not metabolizing foods well. That's why so many people today have food sensitivities and allergies, as the liver is um, having a temper tantrum on the food as opposed to taking it and intelligently breaking it down. And it was doing the same thing to the herbs. People were winding up with uh, rashes, digestive upset from the herbs. So we had to figure out how to get the herbs in people uh, without having to go through the liver. So he developed hundreds of transdermal creams where you put the herbs on the skin, glycer eye drops where it's just the vibration and intelligence of the herb that you take in water and you sip it slowly. So then they could tolerate the herbs. So that was part of how he upgraded Ayurveda for this modern era that we're in. Oh, wow. That is very interesting. Yeah. Um, I definitely believe that about the foods that we eat because they're so full of pesticides and herbicides and all of those things. And just the nutrition is not there Mm -hmm. as in other countries, uh, the food in other countries. So that's fascinating. And you studied, of course, with this uh, Dr. Mishra from India. And um, how did you get into Ayurvedic in the first place? Well, just the way the ancient doctors figured out in their textbooks. They had said that many healers themselves would get sick. And if they get sick, they have to figure out ways to treat this and and what to do about it. So when I was younger, I was um, never feeling well. So my mother would take me to doctors, but they told my mother nothing was wrong with me because they couldn't find any disease. Modern doctors are trained to diagnose and treat disease. But according to the ancient rishis of India, we go through six stages of a disease process before we develop a disease. So I hadn't been quite there, uh, but I was in the early stages of that process where I had lots of symptoms that left me at times bedridden. So my mother would take me from doctor to doctor, 
And I finally gave up on that route because it didn't help. And then at that time in the 1970s, lots of doctors started using vitamins, which are the synthetic toxic version of the real thing found in food. And we still use them today. So I tried all those things and it made me worse. And then I found out about Ayurveda and that's when I had my true healing. And, and I realized then that we don't really have a tradition of holistic medicine in the United States. We're a pretty new country. We haven't discovered all of our herbs yet. And these nutraceuticals, we call them B-complex, glutathione, tyrosine, vitamin C, beta carotene, all these things that we're making in a lab aren't natural either. Because for something to be truly natural, it has to grow in nature. So my book will talk a lot about that and, and show people a way out of that approach. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Good, good, good. And um, you're also a chiropractor, of course. And so chiropractic goes along with Ayurvedic very, very well. And how did you come to be in the healing profession in the first place? Just from that, just from not feeling well and trying to figure out, once I realized that modern medicine couldn't help me, I felt very alone in the world because I was just a young kid at the time. And I always thought if we get sick, we go to doctors. So it was about age 16, I realized that that, that wasn't necessarily true. They couldn't always help you. So I had to figure out on my own. And it was a long journey traveling through um, what we consider holistic medicine, trying out all those vitamins and things and not getting anywhere. So it was a very long period of time. I just wasn't feeling well until my teacher came from India and he showed me truly how the body works. And it's not at all like what we're thinking here in the West. And once I understood that and knew how to change things around, then my health came back. Oh, wow. So you did find the road back to health. Oh, yeah. Health. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you focus, your book focuses on the thyroid. Why do you focus on the thyroid? Well, I did want to write a book, um, a compendium on every disease. And when I took that book to the publishers, they said, well, you might like to read about all diseases. Not everyone does. And not only that, if they have a certain condition like kidneys, it will be buried in the book and they won't know to look at that book. So they said, just pick one disease. They no sooner said one disease when I said, oh, that's easy, the thyroid, because that's what I see most commonly in my practice uh, because everything's affecting the thyroid. So truly this book is about everything. It's going to be talking a lot about the liver, the friendly bacteria in the gut, the bone marrow, which we overlook here in America, diet, detox. So it's, we can't leave one stone unturned because all these influence the thyroid's function. Right. See, here in America, if your thyroid's weak on blood work, they'll mm-hmm. give you the hormone. And the book is really talking against that because it's not really fixing anything. It's just throwing the thyroid into hibernation because it senses that it's no longer called upon to make its hormones. So that's not really true healing. It's just supplying the hormone. That's why people still have symptoms, even though they take the hormone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is sounding so familiar. Yep. It's true with everyone, because I see thousands and thousands of thyroid patients throughout the years, you know, my 30 years of practice. Right. So you've been practiced 30 years. It's amazing. And yeah. yeah. I don't doubt the thyroid, um, because like you said, it basically touches every aspect of the body. Yeah, everything. 
thyroid freak, you could have miscarriages. Um, you could have problems with your gallbladder. There's a whole chapter on what happens if your thyroid's weak, the gallbladder doesn't empty well. Maybe a little later in this podcast, we could talk about what happens when the gallbladder doesn't empty well. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite chapters in the book, by the way. But you, you can, for children, they might stop growing. Your hair could fall out. You could gain weight. Uh, you could be depressed. Your cholesterol could go up. You could get constipated. Like so many things happen if the thyroid's weak. So. Right. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. And how does the thyroid get weak? That's what the book's about. So what it is, it's different in each person. And it's usually a combination of several things. And that's what you have to figure. When you read the book, you'll think, oh, yeah, I did that wrong. Oh, yeah, I did that wrong. Oh, yeah, that's weakening. So then I show you to, how to fix that so your thyroid can come perk back up. The thyroid is very good at doing that. It's just you have to take away the stressors and take some herbs to support it, and then it comes back up. Wonderful. Um, so when our thyroid is, um, is out of balance, are there certain telltale markers we need to watch for or that are just hallmarks of a thyroid? Out Most of people, their hair falls out. Okay. Or they gain weight easily, yeah. or they're constipated, or they like I was saying before, they would have a history of miscarriages, sure. or they might be depressed. They feel they have they feel cold inside or cold hands and feet, like that. So they're all telltale signs that your thyroid might be weak. But at least half of the time, when you're feeling those symptoms and you get your thyroid tested, the tests come back in the normal range, and yeah. that's because. The thyroid is weak. It's just not weak enough to the point where they can detect it on the blood work. So you leave the doctor's office feeling very frustrated and hopeless because right. you were just told that these are just symptoms and maybe they're in your head and maybe you should just take an antidepressant. And that's what a lot of our patients are told. When the doctors can't find anything, just take an antidepressant. But when I see them, I can detect through my pulse analysis that their thyroid is weak. Because in the pulse, that's how doctors of Ayurveda are trained to feel all the organs, glands, the toxins, where they went, the different tissues uh, in the pulse. And you can detect these imbalances long before they'll show up on blood work. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you talked about six different stages of disease process. Yeah. And at, at what stage does it actually show in the body? In the pulse, it shows up in any of those six stages. The first two stages of the disease process, uh, there could be some pro like um, imbalances occurring, but you won't have any symptoms yet. But by the third and fourth stage, you start to have symptoms like your hair's falling and you're gaining weight and you kind of feel tired all the time. Um, but there's no disease. You can't detect it yet through blood work or some other method. But then in the fifth and sixth stage, if you let it go, uh, then it can show up. I've had patients where I told them, your thyroid's weak. And they said, no, my blood work's fine. And then uh, they call me years later saying, you were right. I did develop a thyroid problem because I never fixed it back when you told me to. So that's what I love about Ayurveda. It's very good at preventing disease. Whereas modern medicine, since doctors are trained to diagnose and treat disease, they kind of let you go through the six stages, and then once you're there, then they they suppress the symptom of that disease. 
So that means if your cholesterol's high, they just give you something to lower it rather than fixing the reason why it's high. Or if your thyroid gland hormones are low, they give the hormones. That's not truly the art of practicing medicine. It's just suppressing the symptoms. The real art is to fix the thing. Fix the reason why the cholesterol's high. Fix the reason why the thyroid's weak. You just have to search for it. And again, it's a little different in each person, but it's not that hard to figure out. And people who have read the book said it was very easy to understand. And, um, and that's how I designed the book, to make it easy enough for the lay person to understand it, as well as the practitioners themselves. Absolutely. And so um, you know, we know about thyroid issues, hyperthyroid, uh, hypothyroid. Then there's also Hashimoto's. So are all thyroid disorders the same? Nope. And I have a whole chapter on Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is really not a problem with the thyroid per se. It's where your immune system is attacking the thyroid. Mm -hmm. And the doctors do the same thing there. The immune system's attacking the thyroid, not allowing it to work properly. So they give the thyroid hormone, but nothing is done to fix the immune system. So in the book, I go into this wonderful detail about what exactly is the immune system. So it's the friendly bacteria in the gut, it's the liver, and it's the bone marrow. And I talk about how all three in this modern age can be corrupted through certain pharmaceuticals, especially pharmaceuticals uh, and some other methods. And then I show the way out. I show how to fix the friendly bacteria, cool down this heat in the liver, clean the liver of these old toxins, and then uh, clean the bone marrow. And again, it's not something we're used to doing in this country. The, the, the only progress we've made so far in treating that is that we do understand about, we call it the gut microbiome now. Doctors do understand a little more about that, this friendly bacteria in the gut and the role it plays uh, in the immune system function. Uh, they have to be developed in the gut so that the friendly bacteria are a huge part of the immune system, and they prevent the immune system from losing its intelligence. So your immune system knows to attack viruses and bacteria, but it shouldn't attack things like gluten and dairy and food, or even worse, you, and that's autoimmune. Okay. So throughout life, different things happen, which I'll talk about in the book, that can upset and derail the normal function of the immune system. And then what we need to do to get it back on track. But the friendly bacteria is one part of that. The liver is another part. Everything we swallow, every shot we take, blue shots, chemicals, pesticides, we breathe in. The liver has to process all those chemicals. So you can imagine that a newborn baby already has about 200 chemicals in their blood, just yeah. from what they got from the mother, just because the world is teeming with toxins. So you can imagine the insult that the liver has to take through a lifetime. And we're ignoring it pretty much in this country because once the liver gets so congested, toxic, hot, we get different diseases like high cholesterol, diabetes, and many autoimmune diseases, cancer, but no one's tracing it back to the liver. They're all just chasing these symptoms around the body and treating those. Sometimes even in what we consider holistic medicine, we don't wanna make that mistake. We always want to get to the root of the problem. The liver is the, the root of the problem with many things we see, especially Hashimoto's. 
Mm-hmm. And the final thing is the bone marrow. And the ancient doctors predicted that. They said if toxins get in the bone marrow, which, by the way, we can feel the health of in the pulse, um, then it'll upset the immune system because that's where the immune system cells are born. And nowadays, uh, there's many chemicals, pesticides, immunizations that go immediately into the bone marrow. The doctors are giving many pharmaceuticals that make their way into there. They don't know, but we can feel in the pulse. So, um, so then we need to clean the bone marrow, which none of these are hard to do. It's just that we don't know about it yet here in the United States. Right. So in many ways, the book is quite groundbreaking where it's discussing this. Oh, absolutely. I, do, I you know, you, you see Ayurvedic books and, you know, we all have Ayurvedic uh, practitioners in major cities, large cities, but I don't know that anybody's really taking the time to teach about it, to write about it. They're, they're not writing anything yet about specific diseases. This might be one of the first books that actually shows you how to treat a specific disease. The Ayurvedic books that are on the market, they're all wonderful, by the way. They talk about diet, skin care, um, just some general imbalances that might happen in the body, but they're not showing specifically. And I felt a real need to write that. So eventually I will write those other books on other diseases, but I had to start with the thyroid because it's one of those things, it's very easy to understand what's going on there and how to fix it. And I think it's an interesting read. It's not boring at all. And um, it's so, such epidemic and we're treating it so incorrectly here in the States right. and really around the world. And around the world too. Yeah. Um, it seems almost like there's an epidemic of thyroid issues in the United States. When you read all the reasons why the thyroid might be weak, you'll understand why. For example, Putting um, In the 1930s, they used to use fluoride. If someone's thyroid was hyperthyroid, they would give them fluoride to shut down the thyroid a little bit so it wasn't so hyper. But it worked so well, it killed the thyroid. It poisoned it to death. So they had to stop doing that. But then they started putting it in the drinking water. So many many, uh, townships around the country and states have fluoride in the drinking water. And that totally tortures the thyroid gland, totally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there are many people that I see, I have to pull the, the fluoride off the thyroid so it can function properly and get them to drink good water. That's just one of many things that we're seeing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I can see how it's an epidemic here in the United States. Um, then we're, getting, we're just getting um, insult to the thyroid from just about every, every direction. That's just one thing. For instance, too, um, mercury is one of the most deadly compounds known to mankind, maybe second deadly to arsenic. Mm-hmm. And um, on the periodic table, it's close. It looks like iodine. And iodine is, um, the thyroid's the only gland who uses iodine. So any iodine that you take in in your diet the thyroid uses it to make its hormones. So when mercury comes in, it actually prefers the mercury over the iodine and it sucks up the mercury and the mercury starts to hurt the thyroid gland, of course, because it's a poison. Now in the old days when we were younger, they put mercury silver amalgams in our mouth. Little by little, thankfully, that's getting to be less and less of a cause of mercury toxicity, but they still have mercury in the flu shot. 
So people I see who repeatedly get flu shots, maybe they've had 10, 15, 20. Some of our patients have had 40. Uh, their thyroid's really overloaded, and you could really feel that in the pulse. There's a certain really terrible feel when there's mercury circulating in someone, and you can feel it stuck on the thyroid in the pulse. So with those, we have to pull the mercury out and then support the thyroid. And that's just flu shot. So you can imagine there's other things too. So, And how would you pull the mercury out of the thyroid? Uh, that's where my teacher, that's why he was sent to America to make these formulas. So he made a formula for our patients to do that. It's very easy to take, just a couple drops in water that you sip all day. So, Okay, wow, wonderful. See, all these things are easy to fix, but people have to be aware not to do those things, you know. Right. Uh, don't drink fluoridated water. Uh, don't let mercury come into your body, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty deadly, yeah. That is very deadly. Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational. Heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. What do you think is the number one thing people can do to help their thyroid? The the easiest thing is to go to bed early, no later than 10 o'clock, because the thyroid's helping you get through the day, the thyroid, the adrenals, and after a while they get tired. They're kind of like the batteries that we run on, and we have to remember that the the hours before midnight are very important that you're asleep. Like if, if you went to bed at 12 midnight, and woke up eight hours later, that would totally upset your endocrine system, which is the system of glands that produce hormones like the thyroid, the adrenals, the reproductive glands. Mm -hmm. But if you went to bed at 10 at night and slept till six, that's eight hours also. But according to the ancient doctors of India, that would be preferred. The, The hours before midnight are much more rejuvenative, see? So that's an easy thing most people can start to do right there. Wonderful. Are there dietary changes that are recommended for people trying to heal their thyroid? I have um, a whole chapter on the diet. One thing I could also mention is that the ancient doctors, without microscopes, it's so amazing what they discovered. And I write about these things throughout the book. One of the things they said was that many vegetables have problems associated with them, but those problems will go away if you cook them. Now we have the fancy terminology, and we've discovered what they were talking about. So, for example, kale has what are called goitrogens in it, which upset the thyroid. They depress the thyroid function. Mm. But if you cook it, the goitrogens evaporate out, see? So I mention that because there's this big fad going on right now where people are juicing kale, and they're drinking kale juice. They're Mm. eating kale salads, and it's raw, and it's very bad for the thyroid gland. See, 
that's another, just one example. So the book is filled with all these interesting things like that that you can easily change. So stop juicing kale. That's so easy. Go to bed early. Um, if you have to get a flu shot, tell them you want the one without the mercury. See, <laughs> So very easy to implement. Really, that's not hard at all. That's good. Not, yeah, this is very, yeah, this is very helpful. This is very helpful. It's, helpful. it's very practical information. Yeah. yeah, that's very practical. Um, and then you talked about, you kind of teased out about the gallbladder. Yeah. After seeing so many thousands of patients for so many years, a pattern emerged. And it was that whenever I saw the thyroid was weak, the gallbladder was always weak as well. Mm -hmm. So I... And then I had to look and see if anyone ever researched it. And sure enough, there it was. So I put the research, uh, I cite the research in the book about it. But when the thyroid's weak, the gallbladder can't squirt the bile out. The bile just sits there. Mm. And the bile, um, it's a liquid. But if it sits there, it starts to become thicker and thicker, like a sludge. Right. And then if it sits too long, it can start to form gallstones. So there's been thousands of gallbladders I've seen through the years that we thinned out the bile in the nick of time before they developed the gallstones. Because once you develop the gallstones, then you've gone through the six stages of that disease process. And um, so now you have to have the gallbladder removed, probably if you're having bad uh, gallbladder attacks. But this chapter is so interesting because I talk about all the things that can happen when the bile doesn't empty. So it's very interesting. And what we're doing in this country, we're treating those symptoms incorrectly. So what I mean by that is, just think of this, the bile has two detergents in it that emulsify the fats. That means when you eat something like butter or olive oil, those globules are very big. They can't just absorb in your cells. You can't use them. But when you eat your meal, the bile squirts out of the gallbladder, the detergents emulsify the fat so you could bring them into the cells and use them to make energy, hormones, many things. If the bile's not flowing, then what happens, um, the fats go undigested. So now you can't clear the cholesterol out of your blood, for example. Oh, so your cholesterol okay. will go up. So in this country and many others, what they do, they give statin drugs to lower it, mm -hmm. which have lots of side effects like dementia, because now you're starving your brain of much needed cholesterol, you could get neuropathy because the nerve endings can die. They're all made of cholesterol. Your muscles can hurt in your legs. So a lot of people are resorting to more whole, what we consider holistic medicine in the United States. And they say, oh, well, don't take the statin drugs. They're too dangerous. But instead, we have red yeast rice, niacin, and fish oil to lower it. When people come to our office, we say, no, let's fix the reason that the gallbladder isn't working, you know? So we have herbs to promote the flow of bile. Then the bile flows, and then you can grab that cholesterol and actually use it to make your hormones and other things. So that's just one thing. Another thing that I found very interesting is that it causes acid reflux. And the doctors give medicines to take away the acid. It's, the, it's a big mistake they're making. Because when you first swallow the food, it goes into the stomach there's all this acid churning in there. And once it becomes a liquid acid, it squirts into the duodenum, which is now the beginning of the long journey the food's gonna make through the small intestines, the large intestines, then it comes out the other end. 
but it's also a transition area where the food coming in from the stomach is acid, but it leaves alkaline. And the way that happens is once the food enters the duodenum, a signal sent to the gallbladder to release the bile, and that's another function of the bile, alkalinizes the digestive juices, and it moves the food downward. It creates what we call peristalsis in the gut, little muscular contractions, and so that the food moves through. So if the bile's not flowing, the acids move up, and then they call it acid reflux, so they give a medicine to take away the acid. Now you have no acid, no bile flow, so you're in worse shape. And then you can also get constipated because the food's not moving through. You're not getting enough peristalsis, not enough muscular contraction. So then in this country, they will give Miralax or the holistic doctors will give magnesium, which are like these little shards of glass that torture your gut. So of course you're going to go. So we don't want to do that. We want to fix the reason why the bile's not flowing. See what I'm saying? So these are all the gems of knowledge that the book contains that we're just not aware of yet in the United States because, again, what we think of as holistic medicine is, is not so great just yet. Um, and then there's other things that, that the lack of bile flow can cause. But one very interesting thing is that your body's very intelligent and it, it has estrogen, but estrogen, we have to get rid of it every day because estrogen makes things grow. We don't want too much hanging around. So while it's okay that in puberty, estrogen makes the breasts grow, the hips grow, and it builds up the endometrium lining, which you shed every month when you have your menstrual cycle, the body's very wise to get rid of it. You don't want too much buildup because you would get too much heavy bleeding. Uh, so, um, or too much growth, like maybe a fibroid tumor or cyst on the ovaries, or breast, or thyroid nodules, any kind of glandular growth. So the liver breaks down the estrogen, and it dumps it in the bile. Why? Because the um, estrogen is cholesterol, and the bile is processing fats, fat-soluble mm -hmm. toxins, fat in your diet, and the estrogen. So if the bile's not flung, the estrogen reabsorbs, and you wind up with a situation of high estrogen, low progesterone. So now you'll see these women, they tell me they have a long menstrual cycle that's too heavy, or maybe the cycle comes twice a month, it just won't go away, mm -hmm. uh, or they have fibroid tumors. So you'll see that they have concurrent thyroid symptoms like hair falling, but they also have cysts on their breasts because the gallbladder's not working, see? So again, in this country, when the doctors see a fibroid, they want to remove it, or a cyst on the breast, they'll biopsy it, which you need to do. But they're not really fixing the reason why all these growths are happening, see? Right. So that's why I feel the book is groundbreaking, to show exactly underlying all these problems we're having, there are reasons for it, and we should address those reasons, and we're just not doing it right now. Right, I understand. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's no really no simple fix, and this is such a radical departure from the way we do medicine here in this country. And holistic medicine, too. Because the patients coming in who have been to some holistic doctors, they're not addressing it correctly either. They're giving something to lower cholesterol. They're making the same mistake. Takes the magnesium to help you move your bowels. And they're totally missing the point. Yeah. Right. So trying to do the same thing, but with maybe more natural, less toxic yeah. <laughs> materials. Right, right. That's true. 
Yeah, yeah, that doesn't work either. So you practice Ayurvedics, and um, how how long do you have to study Ayurvedics before you feel like you're really really have a handle on it? Uh, it took me quite a few years. Uh, when the doctor first came from India, uh, I, I hardly knew anything. I had just already studied Ayurveda, but it was very basic. And um, I think after maybe six, seven years sitting with him, I started to really understand what he was trying to teach me. And then I got very specific. The trick is with whatever you're seeing, the underlying cause is usually numerous. It's not just one thing. And it's very specific to that person. So whether it's thyroid, you have your own subset of things that are happening that you need to have addressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you might have high fluoride or mercury, but this one might be rushing too much all day and not getting enough sleep. And then this one might be a vegan and they can't make the hormones because the thyroid hormones are made of animal protein. So there's all these reasons that are different. And it's not just true with the thyroid, but every disease we see. Right. Yeah. Not quite so simple. And then how do you feel that chiropractic ties in with this? Chiropractic has always been there. Uh, People think of us as back doctors, but we're actually not that. But chiropractic is where um, the the Chinese call it chi. The people in India call it prana. Uh, And in the book, I'll have a large discussion on what this is. It's the life energy from the sun and the moon. Collectively, we could call it prana or chi. In chiropractic, they call it innate intelligence. So that vibration from the sun and the moon enters at the top of the head. It goes down the spine. And from the spine, it's delivered to all the organs and glands and the extremities. And that's how our bodies are running from this flow of prana or chi. And that's what acupuncture is. It's just removing any... Flow, uh, obstacle in the flow of the prana or yoga or tai chi is like that. It's movement that mm-hmm. promotes the flow. So chiropractic is a way of adjusting the spine because if the vertebrate go out of alignment in the spine, it, it impedes the flow of the prana or the innate intelligence, we call it. So it's just another way to, to move that flow of energy. Right, right. The way you describe it, it sounds like feng shui for the spine. It is. It's the same thing, yeah. Right, right. Of course, I'm a I, I'm a Reiki master, so I address that that problem as well. And See, you can feel the flow is obstructed here or there, and Absolutely. that's what health is. It's where the prana or the chi is flowing, and then all the organs and glands are enjoying that flow. And that's what the herbs are. This one specific herb delivers the flow of prana to the lungs, or this one to the thyroid. See, and that's what all of healing is: is that flow of prana. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's that sounds wonderful. It sounds uh, like a fantastic way to heal, and um, you know, certainly a lot easier than we like to make it. Mm-hmm. So, is is there anything we haven't discussed that you think is really important to know about your book or about healing the thyroid? Um, it's one of those things where, as you read, it's not just about the thyroid but I think anyone could read the book because in there I'm talking about what has happened to our gut as we take these pharmaceuticals what has happened to the liver and it's kind of important to know these things so that you don't keep making these mistakes Um, and what has happened to our bone marrow and and then this idea that we could stay up late we have artificial lighting so what has happened is we've really been living. Um, against what we call laws of nature. 
and we're breaking the, these rules, these very basic rules for our health at every turn. And the book kind of reminds you that you need to go to bed early. You need water that's alkaline and has a, you know, like a pH above 7.5, but it needs to come from the earth. It has to have the prana in it. Just like the food that you're eating has to have the prana in it. And again, the prana is the vibration from the sun and the moon. It's hitting the food as it grows out in the fields. It's hitting the water as it flows down the mountain stream. So we have to keep the prana intact in the food we eat and the water we drink because it's that vibration then that gets imparted into our cells on a cellular level. And that's how our cells communicate through this vibration. But we can hurt the prana in the food and damage it if we process it, if we microwave it, if we freeze it, like if you make big batches of food and freeze it in little containers or you eat frozen vegetables it's even worse if you're using canned mm-hmm. and even leftovers. The ancient doctor said, if you cook the food today, you eat it today, it has the most prana. But by tomorrow, it's going downhill. And we could see that the next day, the broccoli's kind of rubbery. The bananas are kind of, you know, faded like brown and the apples are brown. They're all oxidizing. So we want to cook the food today and eat it today. Now, as far as the water goes, Every cell in our body, 90% of the cell is water. So there's two prerequisites that the water must be. One, it has to have the prana in it. So if you put chlorine in the tap water, it kills the prana. If you filter it out using like distilling it or reverse osmosis or uh, whatever you can think of to use a special filter, you can filter out the chlorine, but you can't bring the prana back to life. So we recommend to our patients to get water like Iceland water, Evian, Mountain Valley. There's several companies around the country. Some of them come in glass if you don't like the plastic, like Mountain Valley and others, um, so that you're having good pranic water and your food is full of life energy. Then your cells are intelligent. But if the water is dumb or dead coming from the tap and you're just filtering it, uh, or you don't filter it, that's even worse. And if you have fluoride in that there, along with a chloride, chloride, you're like in big trouble. And then um, if you're microwaving the food and eating out leftovers, processed food, then the cells become dumb or dead, just like the food. And that's how we get these serious diseases, see? Oh, my. Yeah, I'm just thinking all my... All my habits, all my, the way I do things, the way I do everything. And I'm thinking, oh, this is all wrong. But you can fix it, though. You can fix it. And I would say that one of the biggest detriments to our health, besides what I just mentioned, is eating out. Our patients who eat out are much sicker than those that cook at home because at home you can uh, monitor everything you're cooking with um, and use the highest quality. When you eat out, the restaurants are using vegetable oils. It's usually a blend of vegetable oils because you, you can't cook with olive oil. It's too expensive, and that's one of the best oils. Right. So when you cook with an, a, a blend of vegetable oils, vegetable oils, when you heat them, form a plastic that clogs your arteries, and they, um, they damage the liver because when you heat a vegetable oil, it forms a poison. When you swallow that, it actually damages the liver. So almost every patient that I see, they have some level of liver damage 
It's just that it hasn't been diagnosed yet. It's almost like every other cell in the liver, many of those cells aren't working. But if they let it go, they'll probably develop what we call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Many people are told, oh, your liver's fatty. And they see it and they just let it go. They don't tell you what to do because modern medicine doesn't have anything because all the pharmaceuticals are toxic to the liver. But we have a special herb that I talk about in the book called Mankand. It's very rare. And I talk about how my teacher had a very difficult time finding it. But Mankand regenerates the liver cells. So almost every new patient I have to put on that because most of us have eaten out or we even grew up on vegetable oils like canola oil, corn oil, margarine, we were told to eat, Crisco. Right. We grew up on that. Yeah, we grew up on that. So most of us have developed some liver damage from those early years. So see, the thyroid is very sensitive to that. It can't work if the liver's not working 100%. So just by fixing the liver, the thyroid gets real happy, see? That's that's a real um, holistic way of looking at the body. We can't dissect it and go, I have a thyroid problem, but that has nothing to do with my digestive system. Right. It's It's all all one. Yeah, it's all connected. Right. So in this book on the thyroid, I'm talking about the gut, the liver, see, the water we drink, the prana, like that. So Right. Okay. This is very helpful. This is very good. And I cannot wait to take a deep dive into this book. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I have a lot of healing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so what what do you think is next for you? You talked about taking this big encyclopedia of healing yeah. and processes and everything. What, what do you think is next after the thyroid book? Well, um, at first when the, uh, this is my first book. So when I took it to publishers, they're always wary. They won't know. They don't know if the books are going to sell. So your first book's more difficult. And they said, just pick one disease. Well, this book's selling so well, and it's made such an impact on the Ayurvedic community and the holistic community that I think whatever I want to do, they'll let me do. So I want to do two more compendium books, Uh, the diseases that occur in the childhood years and how they're being treated incorrectly, and the teen years, and then in the latter stage of life, like the Parkinson's and osteoporosis and those types of diseases. From what I can see, we're treating everything incorrectly. I started with the thyroid, and as you read it, you'll see how we're totally treating that incorrectly. And the same is true with these other things. I would say at this point, modern medicine has pushed itself into a corner where it's very good at diagnosing. Their diagnostic tools are amazing, and I encourage the patients to use those at all times. Uh, But they're good at treating um, like like um, an emergency. Right. Uh, Like if you have pneumonia, of course you need to take an antibiotic. I'm not opposed to medicine, but they're only good at treating these big emergencies at this point. Or if you break your leg, they do amazing surgical techniques and knee replacements and all that. But what they're not good at are treating, preventing and treating these diseases. For instance, I see many people that come to me and they say, You know, I'm pre-diabetic, so they're going to just watch. And when I become diabetic, they're going to put me on metformin. And I tell them, why are you pre-diabetic? Let's fix it now. It's usually a problem with the liver. And so as we fix the liver, then the, see, the liver controls the blood sugar too. (coughs) But then the, the blood sugar gets better. But no one's there to say, oh, let's jump in now and prevent it. They just say, we'll watch it. The same way I see a lot of young girls 
where their ANA titers are high. It's a marker for autoimmune diseases, especially lupus. And they say, it looks like you're going to get lupus at some point. We'll keep an eye on it. And then when you get it, we'll put you on methotrexate and prednisone for the lupus. What I say is, let's see why the ANA titer is going up. Let's fix the gut, the liver, the bone marrow. And then we watch the ANA titer go away. See what I'm saying? So this is like a whole paradigm shift in the treatment of medicine, both holistically um, and uh, through modern medicine. So, And that's what I talk about in the introduction of the book. You need a bigger platform, I think. I know. It's hard. but Because, you know, my name has – people don't know me. But, um, you know, after this book, I think I'll be able to get those books out more. But. Right. And, like, um, who are your champions, your heroes in the Ayurvedic world with this new paradigm shift? There are none. It was my teacher. And right. he's passed away now. And what he taught me, he, he didn't teach anyone else. Mm-hmm. So all the Ayurvedic doctors are saying, this is up to you now. He never had a chance to train us. He came here, started training me, and he said, I want to teach everyone what I taught you because it's working so well. And uh, in the middle, he was writing a course. Uh, the first year of the course was to treat, to learn about the diseases, the second year of the herbs for them. And he suddenly passed away one day in the midst of it all. So um, so now they're looking at me and I said, I'm not going to teach a course like that, but I'll write it in these books. So I'm doing it to keep his legacy alive because he was truly groundbreaking and no one, he has gone where no one has gone and people really need to understand what he was saying. So, but um, I don't have anyone right now I'm looking up to that can, I can learn from because he was the best, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you find this teacher? Just because um, in the early 1980s. Ayurveda was just making its way to our shores. And I was studying it as soon as it came to America. So I had one of the largest Ayurvedic practices back then when there was no Ayurveda in America. And uh, that first company that was making the formulas, I was using more of their herbs than any doctor. And then when my teacher came from India, they said, oh, we have to hook you two up together. Mm-hmm. And he can come out and train you and see what's needed and then make all these formulas, which based on what he was saying, because he had never been to America and he didn't know like all these things, like he had never heard of Alzheimer's. So then I brought him and he felt the pulse of them and he got to see what was causing it. We're here in New Jersey. We have one in 21 boys that has autism and no one knows what's causing it. He felt their pulse and he found what was causing it. I'm not going to go into detail about that. But um, so then he developed a whole protocol for those kids. And, and we did that with MS and food allergies and, the, you know, the liver and like every disease. So and it worked so well. So, oh, my gosh. OK, it was well, very exciting. I was so excited when he came to my office um, and then he came for 20 years. And by that time, we were just treating everything. But in the early years, it took a little while because he didn't quite know how to treat the American patient. He had just come from India and he had never seen someone so toxic because they don't, they don't rely on pharmaceuticals in other countries the way we do here. Right. Um, they don't take birth control pills for 15 years and totally devastate their body and get you know 40 flu shots and live on antibiotics and NyQuil and, and all that. They have their herbs. But see, we don't know our herbs, so we resort right away to over-the-counter medicines and pharmaceuticals, which they work, 
but they're very toxic. So, so it was new to him to see all this. And uh, it was fun for me to sit back and see what he was seeing as the cause to all these diseases that we don't know what's causing them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very, very groundbreaking. Well, hopefully you can carry on in his tradition and do more of your own research and and more writing. I think this, you know, you're really onto something here. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, Marianne Teitelbaum, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me today. Um, so we can see, we can find Dr. Teitelbaum's, uh, book, Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everybody has it. Everybody has it. This is great. This is great. Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda by Marianne Teitelbaum, DC, doctor of chiropractic. Marianne, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been eye opening. Oh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. You're welcome. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.